Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? We show up in this gig every day and, geez, it's hard and we should be so proud. And to not place too much expectation on yourself to be perfect all the time and think that you get over one thing and then you're good. You never have to deal with it again, you know. It's constant learning. Have you ever been unemployed and afraid? I know I have. Many of you may not know, but despite having what some would call a stellar executive career, I have been sacked once and I've actually gone through two major redundancies. They were challenging times, let me tell you. But even if you make the decision to leave your job to try something new, it's often a really scary time especially these days if you've got really big bills to pay and you're not sure what's next. Now, my guest today not only took this plunge, but has now made a living out of talking about it. Kim Curtin is a creative and commercially minded podcast consultant, helping brands and business owners build themselves big podcasts. She's also the host, creator and producer of Unemployed and Afraid, a popular small business podcast for the brave self-employed where she dives into the realities, practicalities and self-growth journey of starting a business from scratch. No mean feat, let me tell you. Before all that, Kim was an entrepreneur creating and closing two businesses before the age of 21 and then spent over a decade in the big brand commercial radio and content businesses with the likes of Nova Entertainment, Australian Radio Network, Vodafone, Ford, Tourism Tasmania, TEDx, Squarespace and more. I've really enjoyed listening to Kim's podcast and I wanted to get her on the show to delve deeper into the topics around the challenges of running small business and to share that with my community because I know many of you listening do have either your own small business or aspirations to do that. So, Let's jump in and meet the gorgeous Kim. Kim, it is so fabulous to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure. I could hang out with you all day. (laughs) Well, we just did have a couple of hours together, which has been fun. So for those that are listening, we'll find out a little bit more about Kim in a second, but she has a podcast and we've just done an interview with each other. So we've been chatting for a couple of hours, which is just fun. I feel like we're warmed up, huh? Yeah, I think we're there. Yeah, we got in deep real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Become fast friends. I love it. Well, Kim, let's kick in to this podcast. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Just how personally terrifying it is to build a business at any level for the person doing it. Interesting topic. Okay. Terrifying. That's a very strong word. And for those listening that are maybe thinking about starting their own business or leaving a job, which, you know, I'm always encouraging people, you're now telling them, no, tell me more. I think the allure of of being a business owner is one as well that I'm I'm equally passionate about. I think it is such an incredible journey to go on. And if you ever feel pulled to create something of your own, be it a a product or a service-based business, solopreneur, large scale, you know, enterprise, whatever, 
the business execution, I encourage everybody to go for it. But what I have found is that the experience of it is far more personal and far more personal to the person doing it than most people realize when when they go to get into it. You know, they think I need to have an idea or I need to have a business plan or I need to have a bit of a vision of where I'm going, you know, or they focus on things like as long as I have the financial backing and the financial planning, I'll be okay. As long as I have an agency or a coach or something to keep me going, I'll be okay. But through the journey, no matter which way you enter it, it comes back to who you are and how you need to become the person capable of achieving the thing. And with so much talk about the profitability and potential in owning a business, a lot of people forget how personally challenging it is to show up every day. And so I'm really passionate about reframing being scared as a really positive thing and embracing that you will feel like a dickhead all of the time and you were scared all of the time in some really weird scenarios. And I think also, as you say, you know, just you feel like you're not knowing what you're doing. You just feel like I, like I have no idea what I'm doing here. I'm winging it and I'm putting a smile on my face and I'm just getting on with it. And I think that's the point is like one step at a time. But quite often, many people don't know what they're doing, you know, in, in lots of stages and types of businesses. And it doesn't matter if you're working for a massive big corporate, but you've got a brand new job. You know, you might be starting again. I feel like that space of learning and not understanding is probably okay, but we're not used to it or we're not used to sitting in that discomfort. Do you think that's what you've sort of seen with, you know, your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And like, well, I mean, we all know the statistics for business success. You know, I think it's something like 95% of businesses fail within the first three years. But then there's also the statistic that when it comes to small business or SME, which I think is the better term to describe the, the scale, it's 98% of the Australian economy. So we are the absolute backbone of this country. And, you know, I'm, I live in Australia, I'm talking about Australia, but I imagine that's mirrored all over the world. And I think that if we talk more about the personal pressures that come in the experience of building a business, more people will stay into it. They will not feel like they're the only one feeling this certain way and they won't be so scared off, you know, for lack of a a better term and not to overuse being (laughs) scared and afraid. But, you know, we wouldn't see so many people dip out because they feel like their experience isn't represented or they feel like perhaps it's them. Or they're a failure. Yeah. So you have a podcast called Unemployed and Afraid, which is fascinating. And you've interviewed some amazing guests. You know, I've loved listening to some of those, you know, really quirky, interesting stories. Why did you start that podcast, Kim? Yeah, it's a name that faced quite a lot of conjecture when I was first coming up with it. I reached out to a few trusted advisors in PR and marketing, and they all said to me, it's a terrible name. Do not name your podcast that. And I'm so grateful that I ignored them because the reason I started it was I left a career as an employee. I was in the media landscape, so I worked in the audio business for radio networks, national radio networks. I had you know, high-level roles where I was um, responsible for a lot of revenue responsible for people and people development and it had a lot of pressures and I felt at some stage that I needed to step away from that and I couldn't really explain why. I've always had an entrepreneurial streak. I can see that in retrospect. You know, I had a, I had a business at a very young and stupid age. At 18 years old, I bought a beauty salon 
that was because I had left school as early as I could. And the first thing that I thought would be fun to get into, you think of a trade kind of as the next thing, you know, at that stage. And, and certainly in my circle was, you know, you've got to get a trade if you're not going to go to uni. And so beauty therapy became my thing. And I was facing, you know, working in that industry, really enjoying it. When one day the owner said to me, we're actually thinking about selling this business or, you know, shutting it down. And, and I was like, oh gosh, like, I don't want to stop doing this. I love it. And they said, well, why don't you buy it? And I was like, okay. I'll buy it. I'm 18. I can make this decision. You know, terrible idea. Sounds a bit fancier than it was. It was an investment of $5,000, which is about all I had in the world. But as an 18-year-old, that would have been a lot of money. It was. Yeah, it was. My beautiful grandma had, had passed away and had left me a, a small inheritance. And, you know, that was what I had decided I was, I was going to do with it. My parents were very angry with me about this because I didn't consult with them before jumping two feet in, which is definitely a theme for me. But, you know, through that experience, I... I didn't know a lot and I had the typical experience you can imagine, which is I got ripped off, I got kind of tumbled around in the unknown and I kind of got spat out the other side and and looked back and thought, okay, I have just lost that now and I don't really know what I'm doing and I need to stop. So I've had that experience and multiple small businesses after that uh, where I tried to start a few solopreneur things, not of note, nobody would know or care to know about those, but that was before my career in media and my career in media was was long and then I found myself at the other end of it going, I just, I don't feel that entrepreneurial connection to working as an employee in this type of work right now. I feel like it's lacking some sort of value or some sort of autonomy or some sort of satisfaction. And it was a tough decision to make because I loved the people I worked with, but I also quite frankly, like hated some of the expectations that were there. You know, it was, it was about making more money year on year and it's motivating until it's not. And, you know, that's where I, I found myself dipping out of the career just to explore, just to, just to find something new. And now that was at the really unfortunate time of January 2020, where I thought I would be able to to go on a bit of a, a very privileged journey because I had saved enough money at the time to be able to make this statement. But go on a journey, figure out what I wanted to do with my life and perhaps get into a new phase of career where I was building my own business or consultancy or something that I assumed I would find once I had some headspace while perhaps still dipping into employment in a part-time capacity or in a smaller type of role with less expectations. So again, terrible timing, Jan 2020, no jobs were available whatsoever. And it's a terrible time to try to find your passion when you're you know, a bit worried about the state of the world and, and where we're all heading. So I was forced into an unusual journey where I had to look at the skills that I had available to me, look at myself and try to piece something together. And so, you know, that forced me into, I had uh, done a, a set of yoga teacher training for fun. I did that for fun. And all of a sudden, after that career, I found myself teaching yoga online because it was the only thing I could do. And I thought, let me let me try and do this. Let me, okay, let's see if I can bring in a little bit of money doing this. And yeah, in the height of the pandemic, it would have been a tough time. It really was. And, you know, at the time I was, I was living in central Sydney on exorbitant rent that I could afford when I was a media executive, you know, double income, no kids. And, you know, that was, that was all well and good at that stage. But that changed like it did for so many of us. It changed so quickly. And so after that journey that I that I went on, you know, just the, the yoga that led into content creation, I was making plant-based recipes, you know, I was working with some clients, branded content had always been my thing. So that was quite natural. And then like your wonderful self, I dipped my hands into clay for the first time and, and discovered ceramics. 
And uh, I started making a, a range of handmade homewares that became really popular and uh, I was lucky enough to be featured in some beautiful Airbnbs and so that started to get a bit of momentum. So I found myself, okay, I've got a bit of a small business building here. I would sit at my desk and I would be making my ceramics and I'd have my big headphones on like I have right now and I would be listening to podcasts because I love audio. It's my medium of choice and I've always loved listening to interview style podcasts. So I was seeking out interview style podcasts where people would get a little bit deep. You know, I I wanted to go deep. I've been terrible at small talk my entire life. I will walk into a networking function and I will feel awkward as hell, as a lot of us do. And I end up asking someone about their sleep or their latest, you know, eating habits or something weird, something equally weird, and just kind of getting deep straight away. But what I was looking for at the time was inspiration and aspiration. But more importantly, I was looking for some sort of connection, some sort of community because I I felt very isolated. I had come from an environment where I had hundreds of people working in this industry and I had a big network. I had moved out of Sydney and I was living in a small town because that's where the rent was affordable. And I didn't really know any other business owners in my circle at that time. And, And I just sort of wanted to feel seen. But what I found, certainly at that time, a lot of the business podcasts that I would listen to were successful hosts talking to successful guests about their success. (laughs) I love that so much. Successful hosts talking to successful guests talking about their success. That's brilliant, Kim. And so, so true. And it's a wonderful thing because it is inspirational and aspirational. And, you know, as businesses grow, PR abilities grow and, you know, people are often refining their PRable narrative to be able to present their story in a really palatable format so that the listener gets the takeaway and they get the growth, you know, and and it looks like a beautiful picture. It has a sort of a start, middle and end. But when you find yourself in that churn of like, I genuinely don't know what I'm doing. Like, I didn't know the difference in you know, fiscal responsibilities from being a sole trader to being a company director. I didn't even know that I needed to know that difference. What if I start something under this one brand name and then I decide to make it another brand name? What does that mean? How do I make that narrative make sense? There's so many things that you don't know. And what that feels like as an individual is 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 really challenging. And, you know, I felt very unseen and I felt like, gosh, if if I am here and I'm so far away from there, from what those people are saying, maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should go back to what I've known, which is media, which is being a great employee. And that scared me more than anything. <laughs> Stepping back, I wanted to keep growing. And so I, I did make the decision to be like, all right, so how can I make something? You know, Maybe this is an opportunity for me to make something that fills that need so I can start to build a network. That was my primary objective when I got started was build a network of like-minded business owners who are willing to share a little bit more about their journey and willing to go a little bit deeper so that I don't give up. And when I was naming the podcast, my other business name is Good Side of the Bed. Through that name, I have done plant-based recipes, ceramics, and now a branded podcast consulting firm. And so I was trying to be really you know, tricky and, and say like, oh, good side of the business or like, oh, I mean, it's terrible, like trying to make it make narrative sense as we often do in, in marketing fields. And it was my partner who said to me, why don't you just forget about that for a moment and just make it represent like genuinely how you feel and why you're doing this. And, and that's when the words, well, I feel completely on my ass. I feel completely untethered to anything else. I am 
unemployed, unemployable, and I'm terrified all of the time. And so that's where unemployed and afraid came from. And it it seems to be a a tone that people connect with. I think it's great. You know, it says what it is on the box, but also you're being vulnerable and you're giving people an opportunity like this is what I'm going through. A lot of the episodes, you know, that I've listened to, just fantastic insights from people. So you talk about business, you know, realism in business. So for people listening that you're four years sort of on, what would you like them to hear now or what would you like you to hear, you know, those four years ago when you first started? What are the kind of messages? Like, would you do it again? You know, would you go in? How would you do it differently? What are the kind of elements that you'd say, okay, you need to get this, this and this right? What sort of advice would you have, you know, your four years younger self? How wonderful is retrospect? Because, you know, when you start this journey, you think you you should start something knowing the end goal. And usually it's the journey itself that reveals what the end goal should be and that the journey was the goal all along. And that's certainly been my experience through this. So, you know, a hundred odd episodes, a hundred odd conversations, besides the typical business challenges that we have when we come into this space, when we decide to start a business or a brand or anything, you know, funding, profitability, growth, marketing, learning, there are three areas of personal challenge and growth that we all go through. And those three areas require more or as much attention as anything in business, any coaching, any planning, anything else. And the first one is identity. That one's a real spicy one for me in particular because I hyper-identified as a radio executive back in the day. I hyper-identified as somebody who comes up with great ideas for brands and can pitch the hell out of them and, you know, I can walk into any room and present and, you know, I'm a radio gal, like I'm in audio, this is what I do. And so stepping into a new identity, which can mean alienation amongst other things, you know, you feel alienated from your friends, you feel alienated from who you were. You have to let go of things in in that sense. You have to let go of who that person is. And so almost celebrating the identity death, you know, of, of who you were to being this new person. And it's interesting just on that point, though, about like how attached we are to titles. And I've seen that with mates, you know, that have worked for big brands. They attach themselves, their personality, their ego, their worthiness to whether it's Google, whether it's Tourism Australia, whether it's, you know, like big really incredible brands that that almost as you say like nova then you become that brand and then not only is that brand you but the title you know i'm a creative director for nova like that is part of your identity isn't it and it's real as you said like a shift but this whole death of that is a really interesting process to go through yeah it is because it doesn't leave you you know that experience in whatever you've done before is is hugely beneficial in whatever you will go on to do so it's you have to put it in its place, you know, and yes, separate self from that. You know, sometimes it's helpful to sell yourself on that previous thing that you did. You know, you see a lot of that in LinkedIn space, don't you? Ex-Google, ex-Twitter, ex-this. And, you know, it, it's helpful to, to frame, but it's, you know, also then finding that confidence to, to step into something new and whatever the potential new identity will be, which often just actually becomes you as the person. But, you know, it's also about letting go of anything we told ourselves before about who we are and what we can, I've got quotations, can do. And so I was the person who is very creative, 
can get really organized and kind of hustle a team behind an idea and I can present an idea you know, effectively and I can be creative and ideate and, and kind of do it on the fly. So I have told myself my whole career that I'm not somebody who is good at math spreadsheets or organization in terms of like long-term project management. So that's a story I've told myself about who I am and what my identity is. And that's something that all business owners have to put in the bin because I've had to learn I can become that person. I might not read a spreadsheet in the same way someone else will, but I'll find my way eventually if I just let go of the fact that I quote unquote can't and figure out how I can if it's important for the growth. I think spreadsheets is a great example because so many women especially feel that they're not smart enough. Like, I don't know finances. I don't know things about like, if you have your own business and your own company, you must know, even if it's the most basic numbers and you've got a bookkeeper you can trust, but you need to know your numbers because it, you know, in terms of helps with the levers of things that you make, it helps you make decisions in your businesses. You don't maybe need to know like all the intricacies as if you're becoming an accountant, but the top line numbers is really vital. It's critical, isn't it? You are absolutely right. And you, you realize that it's so easy to lean into the fun part, you know, the, or the part you know, the part you get the most enjoyment of, the part that gives you a little bit of a pump up, which we really do need in the process of business. You can't hold on to anything that gives you a little bit of motivation to keep going, which is a big part of ego. And that's definitely been another theme that I have had to, to battle with. And every business owner I've spoken to has battled with in, in some way, you know, the ability to learn to promote yourself is so challenging as a business owner and so underappreciated as a a goal to achieve, to to become the person who is feeling confident enough to, to promote themselves, say, hey, this is me, this is what I do, even if you don't have all the proof points or you don't have, you know, everything feeding in, particularly for a woman. You know, what's that statistic about, like, if you're a man who's going for a job and you feel 50% of the must-haves, you'll go for it, but a woman has to have, like, 95. Exactly the same in business. You know, you have to have, you know, for me, you have to have the download numbers, the bylines in, you know, big publications, the this sponsor, the that, in order to feel confident to go out and say, look at what I did. But you can't actually get to that without going out and saying, look at what I'm doing. And so pr- learning to promote yourself is such a big part of it. How did you overcome that, Kim? I'm curious because that is a really hard thing. And especially if you are, you know, promoting yourself in front of friends and families that already have an opinion about you and they're like, what are you on yourself? Like, why, why am I seeing, you know, you've got to put yourself out there and you're like, and they don't understand because they're working for brands or businesses, they're employees, they actually don't understand the hustle. So it's only those mates that get the hustle that will completely be your cheerleaders and, you know, and I found I had to kind of remove myself from those people. But how did you combat that? It's just such a great question. I'm so grateful for you asking because I honestly don't think I'm there yet. Some days I feel better than others, but I have such a deep fear, Michelle, and such an irrational fear of being the subject of a what secret WhatsApp group with people I used to know or work with or be friends with. <laughs> because I just, you know, is someone screenshotting that video I just put on Instagram and putting it in this WhatsApp group? Be look at this chick. Who does she think she is? You know, that's a real genuine fear. Okay, I'm going to do an exercise with you right now because this was done with me and it was incredibly helpful. So when you post something online and you have that little bitty cringe that goes internal and you think, oh my God, you know, they are going to judge me. They are going to see it. Have you had that happen? Oh yeah. 
<laughs> yes, often today, actually. Who is they? They would be the people that I used to look up to in my industry. And do you know, do they listen to your podcast? I don't know if they listen, but I do know that they follow me. And so what is it that you're worried about when you think, oh, you do that little cringe in terms of the judgment from them? And if, can you name it? Is it like one person? Is it five people? Like, can you really picture who that person is? Yeah, I, c- I can absolutely name them in my head. And there's probably two or three of them. And my fear is that they are looking at what I'm saying and saying that's wrong. It's not the right information or that's not good or right. It's that fear of judgment of not being good enough, not knowing enough about something to put myself out there as an expert in the topic. And you're talking predominantly on your show about small business, right? And about the struggles that you've had. It's your lens and your experience. So how can anyone have an opinion about whether that's right or wrong? Absolutely. But I also face this in the other side of my business, which is my podcast, but it's also the fact that I consult on branded podcasts. So any brand that wants to make a podcast of their own, I consult and train in that space to to help them get there and help them do it really well. And so I often have to go in market and promote my podcast and promote my knowledge of small business and what drives or doesn't drive the humans behind it. But on the other side, I've got that part of me that has to talk about the industry and go and stand in front of groups of people and promote the industry and teach. Come back to me, to the two to three people that are going to judge you on your knowledge, on your business and your podcast, you know, in terms of the knowledge that you have, and you're worried about them judging to say that, what do you know? Do any of those people, like the two or three particularly, have they ever run small business? No. Have you heard of Brene Brown's, well, it's not her quote, but I think it might be a Roosevelt quote, where she says, unless you're in the arena with me, you don't get to have an opinion. So basically, fuck off. I don't care what you think. Unless you're running your own business, unless you're in here, in the thick of it, of the tumultuous, you know, roller coaster shit show that is running a small business on a daily basis, because I've run many and you've run many, it's tough. It's really tough. And people that have never done it, have always worked for a brand or someone else and always had a guaranteed paycheck, they don't get to have an opinion, Kim. It's as easy as that. You are absolutely right. And I I would add to that to say that if somebody in my position who is helping people see that that's not the case, and I still battle with it every day, it goes to show the scale of the challenge that it is to overcome that. And the enormity of self-growth and self-belief, like the constant reminding you have have to do of that. And this is the thing that I've come to learn is that like, you know, I, I have heard versions of, of what you just said, and I've told versions of what you've just said to myself hundreds of times, Michelle. But still, when you show up every day as that business owner in front of it, perhaps you've been rejected a couple of times in the preceding weeks. Perhaps you've not seen some results that you were hoping to see just in the last couple of days. Or or perhaps there's something going on in your personal life or your family or things that you're worried about. And so then you come back to that. That fear allows itself to rear its head. So it's, it's that ongoing thing we have to remind ourselves of is that like we show up in this gig every day and, geez, it's hard and we should be so proud. And to not place too much expectation on yourself to be perfect all the time and think that you get over one thing and then you're good. You never have to deal with it again, you know. It's constant learning. Yeah, it is. And I think that what I'm trying to get you to be a bit lighter on yourself about is that you've probably got far more experience and knowledge than they'll ever have. 
you just haven't realized it yet. Yeah, it's very true. You know, you've been doing this long enough now and I get it because I've got my two people that are in my head every time I post. And interestingly, one of them I actually confronted and I sat down with them and I said, I really would rather you unfollowed me because I feel really uncomfortable every time I post stuff because I think about what you're judging me and thinking. And this person was mortified. They're like, what do you mean? I think you're amazing. And I'm like, really? I said, well, all I think about is like, I see that you follow everything I do, especially because of the complexity, like with me sitting on an ASX board and then I sit, you know, covered in clay and talk about pottery and stuff. And I was like, does that person think that I'm not, you know, they don't take me seriously around the board table because of that sort of difference. And they're like, you're an inspiration to us all. And, you know, it was really good for me to actually literally meet that person head on. So that's another way to tackle it as well. But I want to give you that message that you're doing an amazing job and it is tough and you are in the arena and you're having a crack and no one gets to have, you know, you and I can have it out. I can give you some feedback on some stuff because I'm in here with you. But anyone else, like, great, thanks for your feedback, but basically go back to your day job and mind your own business because you've got no idea. Absolutely. It's so true. And it's, you know, it almost speaks back as well to that that alienation and that being a, a kind of a journey to get used to as well is that you do become so separate to the people that are not doing business. And most of those people are those closest to you. I mean, I know, you know, friends, family, most people aren't doing their own business, depending on your circles. And so all of a sudden you feel that isolation, no one gets me, you know, someone will ask, how's your day going? Like, or how's your week been? Like, how's work going? And it just becomes easier sometimes to say, fine, because trying to explain to somebody, (laughs) okay, I lost three days trying to figure out how to merge my accounting from QuickBooks to zero. So like, are you interested in that? No, probably not. (laughs) You share a lot of those kind of tricky things like that on your show. Oh, look, I do, but I tend to share them in like tidbits like I did there because I'm a really big believer in you know, sharing experience is more valuable in some circles or in some circumstances than sharing, this is how I do it and maybe it will work for you too. I think that's been something I've had to learn because over my journey of entrepreneurship, whenever I felt a layer of self-doubt, I've looked to outsource. So, you know, I don't know how to do this. So let me ask someone exactly and let me follow that to a T. And now this might be a case of, you know, something in a coaching arena or like uh, something more practical, like a content strategy for a specific medium or, you know, something like that, right? And I kind of look for a blueprint to follow. And what I've come to learn is that it's actually really unhelpful because it adds another layer of self-judgment because perhaps that well-meaning person who has given me their step-by-step, it works really well for them because they think in a certain way or, you know, their habits or their discipline is a certain way. But for me, it's not quite right. So then I feel like more of a failure because I can't do it like they do it. And I'm cognizant of that with what I share is I kind of, here it is, take the pieces that work for you, but do the work on you to understand what's going to work for you. That's the most important job you have. Yeah. And so touching on that then about doing the work for you, how much work have you done on yourself? So much. Have you found that that's part of the journey with this and being able to manage it? Or have you found that going through starting your own business has been a, you found out more about yourself than you ever knew before? It's absolutely both. And, you know, I came to realize how much more I needed to do on myself through the process of building the business and have subsequently done a lot of work on myself and still have so much more to do, which now I'm really motivated to do. Now that I've kind of scratched the surface and 
I've looked at some of the behaviors I have. I've looked at some of the, I've made some improvements. Now I'm motivated. Now I'm excited. And I'm like, oh, I can actually become whoever I want to be. I just have to realize that the journey is the journey. It's not the destination I'm trying to get to. I'm I'm becoming the person capable of achieving the things I want to achieve. I'm not just working to achieve them. I have ripped my habits apart. That's a, a, one big area that I'm passionate about for everyone. I have given up alcohol. I have given up coffee. I can't turn down a lovely cup of tea in the morning. But, you know, I look at the way food responds to my body and I make sure I prioritize my nutrition. Exercise has been massive. It's something I never committed to over my, my previous career. I would go in spits and spurts, but now I know I can't function without it. Meditation has been huge. And, you know, again, it's not necessarily something that I would recommend everybody does, but I always had a, a strong interest in manifestation and I always had a healthy cynicism on manifestation as well to be like, okay, doing a vision board doesn't necessarily work for me, but I appreciate that it works for others. I found a podcast called Expanded and it's a podcast by a company called To Be Magnetic. And now they have a really interesting approach to manifestation that focuses on a combination of psychology, neuroscience, uh, and a little bit of woo-woo, but, you know, speaks to energy, but speaks to breaking down some of the kind of systematic stories you've told yourself through childhood, you know, blocks, shadow, things that are just happening subconsciously, helps you reprogram a lot of that work so that you can then attract in the things that you're actually calling in to to essentially become the person capable of having and achieving the thing. That work has been hugely beneficial for me. Like I have remembered things about my childhood, my, my education experience, how I've handled myself in certain situations professionally over the years in terms of you know, feedback I maybe took on board and in a way it wasn't intended and, and why I did that or overachievement. You know, I have a tendency to over, try to overachieve in every circumstance. <laughs> that uncovery and reprogramming the subconscious beliefs I have about myself has been hugely beneficial through that. And I'm a little bit addicted to it, if I'm honest. Amazing. It sounds like you've done a lot of work and you have certainly gone through a lot in the last few years since you've left the corporate world and started your own, you know, being in charge of your own destiny. Would you change anything? If I could change anything about who I was in corporate, I would have learned to be far better with money. Because, you know, working for yourself, you get money come in and then it is like the Sahara for a really long time. And, you know, that's that's definitely been a challenge. So I would change that. Would I change the hard side of what I've gone through? Like I, I would say that I, I have done things the hard way and I wouldn't change that because it wouldn't give me the perspective that I have today. And that can allow me to provide value and impact, positive impact to other people, which is a hugely important part of what makes me feel authentic. Beautiful, beautiful way to pull this to an end. And uh, what a delight it is to chat to you. Really interesting conversation. And I just love what you're doing and the fact that you are helping so many people that are trying to struggle, you know, through the slog of small business. So on behalf of them all, thanks, Kim. Oh, that means the world. Thank you. And likewise, I genuinely could talk to you all day. I love your podcast. I love the conversations that you're having. And I love everything that you're doing and your ability to juggle so many, so many things with such grace and just inspire so many people. So um, thank you for letting me be part of your show. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. 
If you did like it, can I ask a small favor? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com. Listener.